man don't know shit. I might not know shit, but I know enough. I might not know shit, but I know enough. You might call me dumb, but I have a lot of fun. I might not know shit, but I know enough. All right, episode 33. It's the afternoon. The sun is beaming in through the window, getting some vitamin D to prevent myself from that COVID. And uh, yeah, today sitting down with David McQueen, Big D, Big D of the kids, <laughs> Big D and the kids table. And I uh, can't wait. Met him in 2013 when we played the Montreal Ska Festival together. And uh, then uh, that summer it was at the Koi Festival in Kitchener, Ontario. And anyway, uh, they've been at it since what? Mid 90s and produced all kinds of albums, all kinds of projects. Can't wait to uh, sit down and see how, uh, you know, how is everything's going and what's coming up and all that kind of thing. And don't forget, there's a PayPal link underneath the uh, video here, and that's the Be a Producer program. Any uh, donation, whether it's 25 cents, 50 cents, a dollar, whatever, you become the producer of the next uh, episode and credited. It's DIY style, keep it in the family, you know, and that way no ads or anything, and uh, we keep uh, being able to do this. And don't forget to hit subscribe, and uh, man, I'm excited. Let's do this. David, it's been a hell of a long time right before the uh, show, I um, I looked on the internet. I'm trying to remember when we played together. I think it was all the way back in 2013 at the oh Montreal Ska Fest. Yeah, man, it's going way back. <laughs> which, which, if you don't mind me saying, which Ska Fest? <laughs> yeah, that, that was the Montreal one. And uh, we met up also at the Koi Fest in Kitchener as well. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's going back a long ways. I had to look it up, actually. You know? <laughs> it is so funny. It's like, I think it's coming up on 24, 25 years the band's been doing stuff. So, man. That's crazy. Hey, before we continue, you might want to tilt your camera up a little bit. It's cut, yeah, cut okay. off the eyes there. There we go. Is that's it okay better. if I don't have headphones? or? Yeah, absolutely. I don't hear an echo, so it's fine. Okay. Yeah, man. I, like, you guys have been playing and on the road for I don't know how many years, but... Uh, when you started, like first hitting the road, around what, like we're talking early mid '90s, about? I would say that we the band started uh, 1996, and I think we realized that you know it it, for every band it takes a little while to to get your foot in the door. You know? Right, it's always that first club gig that's the hardest. But once we kind of like lucked out with that first gig and realized that if you can't get gigs, just book your own. You know, that, that moment where you're like, if promoters don't like us, why don't I just be the promoter? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And so yeah. once we figured that out, like 97, 98 or what around, and then we just started just going crazy. <laughs> well, that, that's it. I mean, like I, I was kind of looking at the albums. So like I, I know a few of your albums, not every album. Yeah, and it's like, I just counted. There's like 13. So it's understandable. <laughs> well, that's it, you know? And uh, when you like you're talking about how you booked your own shows and stuff like that. I imagine starting out probably the way most of us did too. It's probably your own recordings as well. Or... Yeah. Our guitar player, the, the first record was called shot by Lammy and his name is John Lammy. And the shot, even though it looks like we mean like a photo, it was just playing FIFA. And you know, they're always like shot by Azola. Shot by <laughs> right. It was just shot by Lammy. And he's just like one of those, we all know him, amazing engineers. And so, yeah, our first two records were, were, Recorded by him, our our guitar player uh, with the other guitar player Sean P. Rogan, and uh, and we just you know we just paid him three hundred bucks and some beer and 
we just recorded when the studio was closed. Right, right. Now that, that's the way to do it. They, I, I think it's rare that people record like in a professional studio with somebody else handling it right at the start. It's like you say, like often the first oh, yeah. step in is DIY. And you know, I, and I, I think a lot of musicians would agree that it's, it's not even good for you. <laughs> well, exactly. And, and at the same time, like I'm wondering if, if you skip that step, yeah. you know, kind of the respect for the craft or how much work goes into it. I wonder if you actually learn that, you know? Yeah, that's why I always say there's 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 not really ever a really a bad show when it comes to attendance, like people there, because mm-hmm. like you have a bad show in front of eight thousand people and a great show in front of five. <laughs> <laughs> you know which one they'll be talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. So it's I think it's good. I I think it's good because you know also like raw recordings you know we can't we can't throw out the window the the greatness in a raw recording Mm -hmm. trying to make it work oh absolutely absolutely and uh, you know it's probably part of the the journey and the process i guess to finding your sound as well you know even if you don't Mm. get exactly what you want at the start still being involved in the process i think probably does have an impact when you are working with people in the future yeah and some of my favorite moments are like like for the records we're talking about you forget that there's no, like someone didn't put a, you didn't do it to a click, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's not, it's just on tape. And so you realize later that if there's a pause, that later everybody just has to feel it like an, like an old video game recorder, like re- controller, you know, like <laughs> it's not five, it's not a two second pause. It's like a two second and three eighths pause. <laughs> well, well, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I think it is probably one of those great debates, the whole, like, you know, how everything now is done with the click track. And there's a lot of, you know, positives to that. You know, some people might say you lose feel in different things. And, you know, they're both probably, right? Yeah. But uh, it, it, is, it definitely is something, though, you know? Well, I say real quick, you know, mine, <clears throat> I noticed in the studio, uh, the, the jibber-jabber changed. Usually what you, back before Pro Tools, what you used to hear when people were recording to tape is, shut up. I know, just just play it again, I can do it. I know, shut up, I can do it. Just play it again, play it again. And now you hear, nope. is that enough? Can you fix it? <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> the difference and- between I want to get it because it, it means something to, am I done? Absolutely. And like, uh, I, I remember times where, you know, a producer would be like, oh man, uh, it's good enough. I can go from there. And you're, you almost have to fight with them and say, no, no, I want to get a better take. I want to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a feeling a lot of people feel like that, but then at the same time, the producers and other people are all also looking at the time in the studio, right? That's true too. That's true too. But that's, that's, that's not to, I mean, I just love talking about, it, but that's the thing about rehearsals. You're so rehearsed that you kill it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. You know, but at, like, I don't know if you've been doing any recording during COVID uh, or not, or how you're keeping busy, but I know like, you know, here we are getting ready to record uh, a new album, but we're not able to jam as much and get it as prepared as normal because, you know, at certain points we just can't get together, you know, for safety reasons. Do you know, I, I got to say, uh, Big D did the, the um, basics for our new record before. For the real big fish keep flying if you don't know the band keep flying the great um tour we did last february mm-hmm. february march and then when we were going to get back from the tour we were going to do the horns and in, in vocals but the tour ended on sunday and the lockdown started on monday so it's like perfectly terrible and <laughs> and 
And so what I was going to say is like, uh, we had to reschedule the horns, but the lockdown made us all have those like weekly Zooms. And right. I think the lockdown got, even though we weren't together physically, somehow the lockdown brought everyone closer, you know, with because we want, I don't know, it, it helped the record. It's interesting to hear that because the lockdown, like the lockdowns did have impacts in some ways negative, some ways positive. You know, some people are happy to have time. Yeah. I mean, I have the secret thing. I mean, I'm, I am, I know that COVID is a very terrible thing, so I'm not taking away from that at all. But like you were saying, we've been touring, I've been touring, you know, for like 20, almost 24 years straight. I've kind of loved like lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it. It's a forced vacation, right? Yeah, it's a forced vacation. You know, I haven't, I haven't been able to, to be an anchored home dweller, and it's it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, so it, it jammed up again. Listen, I cannot. We're making pot cookies. I learn a little every day, like with. What? It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, again, it's part of that process. You know, when, when you do play in a band or you're lead in a band, you, you learn all these little side skills at the same time, whether it's social media, whether it's recording or iPhone recording or whatever it is. I hear, I agree. Yeah. Did you always run your band uh, yourself? That's a really good question. I've never been asked that question ever. Um, I would say that I was... I, I mean, it's funny because I just listened to a podcast with my buddy, Sean P. Rogan, and he was interviewing a buddy of mine, Mur uh, Murph and Johnny, and they, they were talking about that I should answer the word, I should answer yes, because they're always like, Dave's always going, Dave's always going. Um, but I do believe Mark Flynn, uh, one of the other singer trombone players, valve trombone players at the beginning, he, he started and we were just on the same wavelength. Like he started, we just went, we're the same. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I think equal to he, he, you know, as well. But, you know, you know, the good luck crew and the strictly rude crew, like, even though maybe I, I was the, I was the what if guy and I was the don't worry, we can do it guy. I was like, we can do this. We can do <laughs> We can. You know, everything was all about like, if, if that person can do it, we can do it. You know what I mean? Well, that's and, great, but it takes somebody to drive for sure. Yeah, you know, so I guess push. I was always the drive person, but you know, you can't discount the people that naturally get facilitated to do things you can't do. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, I, yeah. I think that was one of the lessons I learned uh, along the way as well. Like at the start, I wanted to kind of do everything, but then you realize there's people that are better at it than you that do it all the time, you know? So it's, you know, sometimes easier to, and better for better results to actually use the expertise other people have. Yeah. And I always try to tell, you know, younger musicians, if you, if you will, like you should always keep doing it at least 99% yourself because nobody's going to work harder for you than you. You know, even when you get signed to the label, you can't sheath your sword and be like, I'm done fighting. It, you're not. <laughs> it's just beginning. <laughs> yeah, it's like you almost have to more. It's crazy out there. <laughs> it's so true, though. It, it really is. That's well said. So yeah. when you guys started, with, uh, that was in Boston, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was the scene like back then? Oh, man. So... 
I would be on the younger side of the potent, beautiful uh, Boston hardcore scene that was just going with Gang Green and you know Slapshot and Sam Blackchurch, Only Live the Witness. It was, and so, I, you know, I was the, the young guy going, and this is just after the metal scene, you know. So right. So uh, so then once I was going to these hardcore shows, uh, I saw the Boston's and that's what turned me on to like kind of ska and stuff. But it, it's, it's just, it's just that romantic story that everyone could go on and on about. It was just beautiful. Everybody knowing each other, you know, just the, you know, there's, you know, not to do this too for the poor millennials and the uh, <laughs> Gen Z, but there was no cell phones. So everyone would just talk. Even if you didn't know someone, if you saw them enough, there was a head tilt. You don't even know the person's name. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, there was, a, there was this one show that, uh, a clutch show back in the day that I think like some of the old gangs that are probably still around, I was going to get my ass kicked. Uh, it was being, it was being kind of like said throughout the, the, the ass kickers that we're going to get this guy. And somebody who just kind of knew me from around was like, I think you just got targeted. You might want to step back. And I'm like, yeah, 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 all right. Like people helped each other. Like it was just. Well, the whole social dynamic was social, like, I, I don't think people so really realized to what, you know, degree it has changed. Like, uh, you know, with uh, just how people behave, let's say in a bar now that everybody has their social media is always in contact. It's definitely had an effect, you know, uh, on our interactions. Well, I always say the cell phone's the new cigarette. You know what I mean? And it's like, obviously cigarettes give you cancer. I'm not, I'm not trying to say anybody should start smoking, but and I don't, I've never smoked, but like, you know, because I've never smoked, I've always envied the the cigarette smokers because they always look so cool <laughs> right you know at the bar you know everyone was kind of available to talk i guess all i i guess all i would have to say is their heads were up right right that makes sense yeah that's well yeah, said their heads were up so yeah but it, it's funny because like i i totally notice how people are so down and closed you know all, all the time you don't have that interaction between strangers yeah. in the same way and I like a cat video, just like the next guy. I mean, like, I love watching, like, look, this chicken took on these wolves and is nursing them. I love that stuff. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what were some of the first shows you were doing, like, uh, back then in those days? Big D playing or me going? Uh, Big D playing. So the first show we ever, ever did was opening up for Boxer <clears throat> because a band dropped off I, I i always know the label that boxer was on it's just the years i forgot um but it's 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 a household name and okay. um he later was in the lot six and he, they did really well um so it it was just we played the middle east and then we did like our second show was like a frat party where we just <laughs> played songs over and over and over because people didn't really know the difference um, <laughs> And then after that, I think we just did that whole like VFW and churches and, you know, you play a place until they tell you you can't play anymore. And we were, we were just doing the thing of that time. Man, I miss playing house parties. Those are fun. Yeah, you know, it's just, you know, there's so many things. I don't know if it's because of lockdown or I'm getting older, but there are so many things I want to tell younger musicians now. And <clears throat> I know that's, sounds a little silly, but I just want them to know, like, even though you might want your band to get bigger and, and you're always looking to the horizon and you might be like, oh, I wanna be like this band. If I could just, just realize that all these first shows are, should and will be your, your, your favorite shows. 
Right. When 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 the ceiling tiles are coming down and the PA sucks and nobody can really see because you, it's just one level floor. I mean, I don't see any of the festivals beating that stuff. It's true. And, and like say, those are the ones you don't forget. I mean, if you're on tour for the next 20 years and it's big venues, it's just like a blur of big venue. But those are the ones you remember. It'd be like, yeah, it'd be like festivals are like dating a girl only online. <laughs> and then like DIY shows are going out with someone. I love it. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for sure. So here you are. You started playing, uh, you know, the house parties, the churches and these types of things. And uh, what kind of got you, you know, up to the next, like, you know, maybe a club level? Totally, totally. So I would, I would say it like this. So we're, we're, we're doing, we're, we're, we're doing, we're doing trading shows. Like, you hear somebody in New York, and so you trade a show with them, and then you help them, and you hear somebody in Chicago. So we're doing all that stuff. This is all shot by Lammy Days. You're doing that in Canada. Canada was huge with us. Um, but it was Mike Park. It was Mike freaking Park. And I, I got to say, you know, I always compare Big D to an 80s movie, like with the whole popular thing, you know, like like a 16 Candles. In, in <laughs> right, right, right. Where, where Mike, where, where, what's his name? Um, Anthony Michael Hall. And... Uh, Big yeah, D is the Anthony Michael Hall of the Scott scene. And, uh, <laughs> and so he was, there's only like three people, four, three or four people I would say that like helped Big D and definitely Mark Park. I mean, Mike Park signing us to Asian Man Records. He fronted us plane tickets to England to do an England Europe tour, which is crazy. I mean, who, that's huge. That's not even in our American culture to do something like that anymore. And, and, or they would just like take your wife and first child if they did. And, <laughs> but, but like, so, so what I found, I always compared to going to the prom, like America didn't think we were pretty enough to take to the prom. So, you know, Mike Park had us go to England and Europe and that's when we just engulfed ourselves like Canada in the England scene and just made friends with the Foamers, Lightyear, Sonic Boom 6, uh, like Hardskin, all these different bands. And we basically for a whole whole bunch of years just did our scene in England and Europe. Uh, that's fantastic, man. And there's something about going to Europe and just how they treat musicians differently than North America. I mean, that's a real thing, right? Yeah, I mean, when we played Reading and Leeds the first time, a, a joke is like the biggest, to an American, the biggest, scariest punk rocker coming up to you, just and then going, all right, mates, we just want to make sure you're all set. Just we're going to beer come in in a little bit. And then we're going to, and you're just like, that's the sweetest guy I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time that I uh, experienced like band dorms <laughs> in Europe too. <laughs> Bunk houses, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's, it, it's amazing but doesn't it also break your heart that so many american bands don't even know it exists it does break my heart and i think there's something to learn from it as well as far as promoters go and building communities uh through that type of thing because often like i know in europe when they serve up a big table and it's not always expensive food but it's usually yeah. home cooked good food and yeah. you, like you'll be three bands eating together totally. i told i told you're speaking my language. I, 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 you just made, you just flooded my memories. And it's always like a good chili or a pasta. And yeah, they make all the bands sit together. It's great. And Rachel really feed the scene, feed the scene in the, the States. She has that culture in, in her blood. 
you know, she has a bunkhouse and uh, it's, a it's a beautiful thing. thing. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, that's the part of this whole thing of my experience that I love. Like I love the people who go to the, the shows. Cause I still look at myself, you know, as I'm infiltrating, I'm like a spy in the music scene. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a fan in the scene, you know, you know, like I don't feel like one of them, you know what I mean? Right, right. And, and, and <clears throat> it's just one of those things where, I don't know, I, I, I want people to understand that, you know, the, those are the parts of the scene that are great. And the business, the, the, the things that are happening now are so ugly. It's not ugly, but like, let me say it like this. I think that a lot of us musicians went to music or artists went to music because of that whole 80s high school thing of like being a reject or being, you know, just on the outside, just not like Kurt Cobain said it nice. Uh, I wish I was like you easily amused. You know, it was a lot of us who weren't as amused and, you know, maybe being quiet was looked at as being a bummer, blah, blah, blah. We all know the story. But the problem is in, in the music scene, if you, if you start to start going up a little, I feel like some of these musicians and artists are just late bloomers of being dicks. And then they, and then like they get a little cheerleader, they become the cheerleader of their scene. And then they become, it's just that they're late bloomers with the power. That's really well said. <laughs> yeah, it's so, and, and so I, I, I just always want musicians to know, I don't think you want to go up the ladder because once you go up the ladder, it's the same people on the ground that you were trying to get away from. You know, I, I've never thought of it that way. And it makes it perfect is. sense. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it is. And so I always look at Big D as like anthrax, like of the metal scene. Like we're always the small band opening up for the bigger bands. Do you know what I mean? The smaller of the big bands though. <laughs> right, right, right. We, we can get on the gig. We can kind of get the, on the gig. It's the big five, not the big four, right? <laughs> Music will be playing from noon to midnight and we're on at three. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> we've been last on every comp that we've been on <laughs> well that's funny you mentioned uh, comps because that was one thing you guys yes you have tons of uh, your own full-length albums but you're on so many compilations man it, it's crazy and my question around compilations is back in the day compilations were fantastic as far as learning who was out there and a lot of them were before digital music or you know album splits and stuff like that you saw so much of that which i think you see less now there are that type of thing but usually it's just a playlist now right <laughs> but like i wonder what the future of compilations is i think it's playlists yeah that's what i'm thinking as but, well but but i think they're coming back like my friend ray in china just asked me to be part of a yeah whenever something's messing with you i always say leave, leave your uh, you go to another country you know what I mean? <laughs> like if if the scene because we always like the chicago scene's dead but the boston scene's up it's like dude if the american scene is dead Fuck off. You know, <laughs> it's well said. I mean, you always hear in the 80s band stories, especially in like the glam rock, how they all, you know, moved and traveled to the scene. If the scene's yeah. in LA, go to LA and you're not going to, you know, waste around in a scene that isn't happening. I wonder if people chase the scene as much as they did back then. Well, Bon Jovi, Bon Jovi went to Canada and got bigger there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I forgot that. Yeah. But um, as far as comps are concerned, uh, yeah, I mean, we're still doing, oh, look at this. Um, you know, we just did the Sky Against, <laughs> I had that, I've been waiting, I had that prepped. <laughs> yeah, man, that was so beautiful. <laughs> but look, we're, we're, we're always last. We are always 
last check <laughs> That's awesome. check my notes uh, but you know this was awesome um and yeah i still love well you know i'm a comic book guy you know i think too many musicians look at other i, I keep saying musicians but you should you should say artists these days because there's you know blah 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 but like artists look at other artists as being competition and i always call that being a bad dog you know, like when we have a dog and it barks at another dog, you're like, oh, sorry, that's a bad dog. You want your dog to be nice to the other dog and that makes everybody happy, right? But so many artists are bad dogs. And, and it's like the only way you can take down the giant, meaning the music industry or what you want to accomplish is doing it with other people. But I think all the competitive game show TV shows and just the me, me, me culture, like everyone forgets to have a teammate. And didn't that all start with charts? Just the whole concept of charts. Who is number one? You know? That is a great point. That is a great point. Who is number one? You, you are number two. You didn't make it. You didn't make exactly. it. Exactly. And yeah. you're in the wrong category too. Yeah, you're almost good. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. One thing that I always like about uh, Big D and the kids table is the uh, sense of humor also involved in the music. And I love that good feel stuff. Makes me happy. Oh yeah, you, I can just, I can, there was, so when I first started listening to music, it was heavy metal. And, um, but you know, like the you, I mean, don't get me wrong. You start to get new stuff like U2 and REM were coming out and like Smiths and all this stuff, you know? So, you know, there was one day that I was uh, like little and driving down, I was like in the backseat of a car and it was U2 or REM was playing. And I was like looking out the window and it was raining and, and I started to really like retrospectively think about my life. And I started Because like, everybody hurts. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh no, it was even before that. It was like, and the streets have no name. <laughs> right. And then I realized, oh my God, that's so, that is not me. Like I am not built to stare out of a raining window and go, you know, you know, like, it's just, it's just not me. It's just, and so I think the humor comes from that moment of clarity when I was like, this is not music for me. I think music, I think life is, is so hard. Us guys in Big D, like, and currently even still, like, life is hard. It is constant. And when you say like the whole DIY thing, we are fighting for our lives. We are fighting for just a little bit more teaspoons of happiness each day right i don't have time to then suddenly moan on a record and then moan on tour and i i mean like no 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 i so god i'm with you i often say how like uh, i don't play uh, tuesday night music i play saturday night music yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and you know it sometimes when you start touring a lot you start to realize like do i want to play this like trump Let's talk, like, no, well, just briefly. We didn't write any songs about Trump. You wonder why? I don't want that ass stain on me for my whole life. Like, Love I don't it. want to be playing or have his stain on me, you know? Even though, even though it could be topical to my lyrical emotions, <laughs> you know, like. But it's cool. Like, I, I like, I'll step one step backwards. You know, uh, you're talking about, in other words, but you're talking about when you discover who you are and what you want to do as opposed to, like, you know, we grew up with music that, you know, we might have listened to because it was the times or whatever, but you realize yeah. it's not you. But isn't that such a moment of clarity and such yeah. a huge step when you do find out what it is you want to do or the journey and, and the journey that took you to get there? Well, I had a lot of great examples, you know, like the BC Boys, of course. I mean, if you go, if you break down their lyrics, you know, it, 
they take you away. And then mm -hmm. one of my biggest lyrical influences, the Diggable Planet's first record, uh, I forget what it's, it's, uh, it's the, the Rebirth of Slick. I mean, they just talk about simple things, kicking back, uh, sipping on a Snapple or uh, Sunday, Sunday morning drama is just calling up my mama. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it's, that's what I want. I want music to take me away from this dog. It's beautiful. World. Yeah, and you know, it's funny I was talking on the last episode as uh, with uh, David Barton of the Peelers and we were talking about songwriting and how uh, I fell victim of it myself at certain points where I, I would write more when I was feeling down as expression but then at the same time that's not necessarily what I want to be doing it's just when I was doing more so I had to actually consciously force myself to also write when I was happy <laughs> you know yeah yeah and and, and uh, I mean, let me know if you agree. And that's, it is way easier to complain than it is to be happy through lyrics. You are that, so incredibly right. That song LAX that people, you know, I like as well, but people kind of like said, hey, that's a good song. That was a one subway, subway ride from work to home, one subway uh, riding in a notebook. I changed one word. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because complaining is easy. And don't you also feel, though, the ones that come out so incredibly fast are often the better ones. You know, the ones that have yeah. to work on harder, they're not usually my number one single, you know? Yeah. But, you know, it's just one of the, you know, like, sometimes to be positive, and that's the, that's the problem with people have, people think negative people are smart and positive people are dumb, and they, they couldn't be more wrong. That's so, man, those are words to live by. It's true. It's, <laughs> I've seen it going on. People who are like this, they're like... Kyle's pretty smart. And you're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. The quiet guy there, that's all dressed in black and you no know, makeup on and stuff. You know, he's all alone, so he must be smart. I know exactly what you mean. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's wild. So here you are. Now we're at the club level in Boston. And right. then you, you get out of Boston for the first time. Where are you going? Well, <clears throat> yeah. so yeah, so I, I would say you know, right when Big D really started to have enough momentum to really start pushing things is when Scott just died. You know? <laughs> well, oh, don't, don't. I, I like, I think it's weird that Scott's kind of popular and getting popular again because, which is great, don't get me wrong, but like, I like the shows of like, oh my God, they're going to hate this. Let's do it. Oh, so much, man. So much. On our the first time, we had a song they called get a load of us. Yeah, man. On the first time, we had two reggae for punk and two punk for reggae. You know, it's like fuck them all. <laughs> totally. I mean, I always like the like the fact that we're we'll play a show and we'll be heavier than the heavier band, happier than the the ska band. You know, like so there's all these things. And then the shows where you play that everybody loves you. Though I I almost call those like entertainment shows. And yeah, I don't I don't I, I'm not there to entertain. I'm not going on stage to entertain. I'm going on stage to play with my buddies. And, and you are very entertaining. Yeah, and you can watch if you choose to. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and you know what I mean? So it's one of those things where it's like, back in the day when, when Big D started getting some momentum and then Ska became the new disco, it, it still was so fun, but there were, but you know, it was just becoming a desert for the genre. So what we did around there was, you know, just kept plugging away, like plugging away with Mustard Plug and the Pie Tasters and Catch 22 and doing, just just playing, just playing, yeah, man. you know? And, and then 
I so so that was okay. So right, okay, I got it. So that was shot by Lammy, and then Mike Park did uh, helped us with good luck, and then the plugging away bit I was just chomping at is how it goes, and that's when um, Kevin Lyman allowed us to play the small little tent stage on Warp Tour. So how it goes is us just going. And that's why it's called how it goes. Cause everything was like, well, that's just how it goes. You know, like why the van break? That's how it goes. Well, why this? Well, that's just how it goes, you know? And so about that time LAX comes out and then that's when side one was gracious to us because of Kevin. Kevin saw us on Warp Tour and we were the, one of the hardest working bands on Warp Tour. And people will say, will probably, be like, no, it's not true. But we were the first band to start doing that whole Shepherd Fairy, like plastering posters on Warp Tour that bands like right, right. companies to do for them. You know what I mean? And and uh, and because of that, uh, Kevin said, you know, side one, you guys should give these guys a chance. And that was true. you know when you're giving advice to younger bands, I think without even throwing it into that group of advice that you're doing, but what you just said is so incredibly true because like. If a younger band does want to hook up with a record label or a festival and stuff, they want to see bands that are working. Yeah. You know, you can't be lazy and just produce one thing and it's amazing. It doesn't work that way. Well, I always try to tell people too, like picture going to a festival like Warp Tour, Leeds or Reading, Sapuza or something. And every tent, every single tent is selling lemonade. Pusa glass right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if every single tent is selling lemonade, then like why why do I care about your lemonade? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, like, you, now, like going to Warp Tour, didn't you guys play like so many Warp Tours? Like you're really in with that whole crew, man. Yeah, they always do these tallies and, and like a couple of the tallies remember that we, yeah, it's like less than Jake. I believe it's less than Jake um, Bowling for Soup and us. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that, that must have been wild times because the Warp Tour back then was like huge. Yeah, I was just talking to Darren from Goldfinger. You mm -hmm. know? I was talking to him yesterday. By the way, cool people do not call me every day of my life. I said to my wife, I was like, Darren's calling me. And it was kind of late because he's in California time. I was like, I got to take this. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> my dad always told me, if you want to be successful at anything, the number one rule is you have to answer your phone. Yeah, and he's, he, he asked me the coolest thing. He goes, he's, he does those cool things where he, he puts bands together, which is mm -hmm. very festival-y too. Like, I don't mean the stage, I mean like after the shows, like the Warped Tour where everyone hangs out. Like, so he does that karaoke thing, which I did a Bad Brain song with, with his, the crew and was a dream. And now he's asking me to do a new song with people. And it's just so nice to be asked. You know I know, eh? It, it really is. It's like, you know, when you're a teenager, you actually got invited to the cool people's party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't even know that. I mean, I know Darren, I know I'm on, I know Darren and I are friends, but I didn't know that there'd ever be ever in my life a conversation where they're like, Dave would be a good choice. <laughs> That's I feel awesome. I like got a Quentin Tarantino role. <laughs> but it, it, it's great like I like talking about live music a lot and it, I remember Matt Smasher from Planet Smashers uh, we were talking about some show coming up he's like man I, 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 I can't remember if he was playing right before you or right after you I, uh, but he was like after. man you know David's gonna be playing and he always kills it live in the front man I'm playing guitar it's he's hard to follow you know <laughs> he does say that a lot he does say that a lot but it's like like the Smashers kill 
so juggernaut worthy that it's like it's you know what it is it's it's like when it's like one of those like like roman uh the guy who kills everybody you know yeah, is, yeah. In the ring, is in the it's not a ring but the coliseum and then one son of a bitch makes him work a little harder but he still kills him i'm just the son of a bitch that made him work a little harder <laughs> <laughs> that's well said that's really well said i i, I know exactly what you mean too because he's always like you know full of compliments and stuff it's like uh, we did a cross canadian tour what two years ago <laughs> the, the the two bands together and it's like man you know you can't you know slack off one night a little bit you know <laughs> I, I would say my favorite nights like of my life are watching uh, these days, uh, always the pie chasers, but the pie chasers, the plant smashers, and now these days, real big fish on a tour, side stage. I'm done. Anthrax is packed up, and I just have like a beer or a Gatorade, and I'm with my buddies, and I'm just watching them. You know, it's just so yeah. good. And don't you love that? And you're still sweaty from your own show, and maybe you make it, you know, the back aisle or side yeah. of the stage you know for the second half of the next band you just get yeah. to breathe and take it in you know oh it's so crazy it's such a nice nice little what a life. fantastic feeling yeah absolutely yeah. hey uh, but speaking of I, speaking of videos we didn't even mention videos but speaking oh. of videos anyway yeah little bit yeah so Talk that was good a feel good thing that's perfect because like like it's perfect to bring up because we were on tour with the Suburban Legends and Muster Plug when we shot the first real big fish. So like, that's what we were doing. Like you were asking, like during that time. And it, it was, it was a perfect video. Like, I, just, I love it. And then we were on Warp Tour and the guitar player from MXPX, I think his name was Chris, um, saw it. He, he had to use the bathroom and he, uh, we had a tour bus then, we were sharing it. <laughs> And uh, he came on and was like, what is this? I'm like, someone's like, oh, the video. And he's like, well, I want you to do it again on Warp Tour. And the whole idea of doing it again was like, yeah, I guess we could. I mean, it's fun. But then we did it again, right, on that Warp Tour the next day. And then other Warp Tour bands saw us doing it. And then this whole, like, do you want to do another one tomorrow? And my answer always is like, well, yeah. I mean, it's very fun. And now there's over like 32 in like a Brazilian different country. I love the concept so much. And I love simple videos that are cool. You know I mean? When you can do something that has no budget and, and but yet is super cool. Because I was going to ask how many times was it done when I realized I saw the first one. I was like, oh, that's awesome. But then I saw another one. I'm like, wait, that wasn't the same. <laughs> I, I the number sounds high, but I believe there's like 30 something. <laughs> what a great way to drink with your friends though. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It, the Sean P. Rogan said it really good. What it's, it's good, clean fun. Like, and, and then when he said that, I, I remember saying back to him, I was like, you get to see on these musicians, like these musicians that are always doing like the pucker and squint, like, you know, <laughs> you get to see genuine smiles from them. Like it's the most you'll see your favorite band smile like they're eight. Well, I mean, it's the pleasure of the centuries, right? Even in Viking yeah. days, hang around the pub and drink with your friends and have music. Coming. Yeah, like it's one take. So yeah, it's, oh, it's funny. And then the best is, uh, you know, fans, if you will, like they'll make them and theirs are so good. Some of them, like they do that OK Go, is that the band? Like they'll have like a thing to walk down the sh street and go through the house and you're just like, you're happy that you could give them something to do on a Saturday night. That's well said. Yeah, man. Like, like, absolutely. Like, hey, want to shoot a little bitch video? And everyone's like, yeah, let's do it. And then they, 
do it better than you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you did it pretty good, man. A little I waste of beer, but I mean, <laughs> people are always like, sometimes people will be apologetic and be like, you know, like, would you do it? I'm like, guys, think of what I have to do. <laughs> right i have a great song on and drink beer <laughs> yeah, i mean the, the worst thing i have to do is change my shirt after <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so yeah um no I, how did you get into music like uh, do you come from a musical family or anything like that like uh you know it's just shed some light on this oh, okay that's fun um my my parents are hilarious my dad was like an Ohio guy just like he was 50s like whatever you see in the artwork of good luck that was my dad like you know and uh but he would be he's a physicist so he's smart and my mom was a Lynn girl um in New in Massachusetts Lynn oh are you still there yeah I'm here I'm here sorry oh and uh Lynn it, at the time was a very bad neighborhood so like the nice boy fell in love with the girl from the bad neighborhood and uh and so she's she's really nice woman and um so wait a minute what was the question i started talking about my parents <laughs> i'm just listening to you i'm like oh this is nice no but uh, background family oh, music. music what got you going yeah right so i don't think either of them were into music my sister is a singer um and so there wasn't really music in the house okay. other than my sister and I just kind of my friends andrew and jeremy were into iron maiden and motley crew and I think Iron Maiden just made me go, wow. And Everybody really is an Iron Maiden fan. I think all the podcasts, when we talk about other bands, they always come up. And with ska uh, bands, it's really weird, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, and you know what else? Like Iron Maiden didn't, even though they're, they didn't get that much support. They, they're only offered the Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of Fame this year, I believe. That's and, wild, eh? Yeah, they never were played on Headbangers Ball, like, seldomly. Yeah. And, like, they didn't have as much. They were kind of like the Pink Floyd. They had l much less marketing, and they were just really good. And, and Live so, bands, right? And live shows. That's, you know, people forget that you can't just produce something to say, oh, it's going to work and stuff. Got to get that live show and be working, man. Yeah. And if you're really young and playing with, it's like you're playing with toys, and then you kind of go from toys to, like, Dungeons and Dragons, because it's still kind of toys, but it's like to uh, nowadays video games. Yeah. Um, to Iron Maiden. Like Iron Maiden is like the video games, Dungeons and Dragons of music. <laughs> level nine. Yeah, level <laughs> nine. And then, and then level 10 is you start your own band. Exactly, so right? <laughs> All right, David, to, yeah. to close this up, yeah. I'm going to ask you the question. Can you name three albums that everybody should listen to at least one of their life, once in their lives, and one guilty pleasure song? What do you have for us? All right, three. So I would start with the Diggable Planets. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I think the Rebirth of Slick is an outstanding record. If you're a drummer or a lyricist, if you're a guitar player, skip it. <laughs> um, uh, I think Check Your Head from BC Boys is is quite outstanding. Um, and I think Dummy from Portishead is quite. I'm, I so, I, I like, you know, I always expect certain things in, in, like, you know, to come up, for instance, nobody ever mentions weird things like Tori Amos or whatever. That's as close as we get. I think that like Portishead, that album, when that broke, that had such a huge influence. Yeah, I would say like my, and then I'm gonna add one cause you know, I'm a musician, so I have to cheat. And then yeah. I would say, uh, Cellscape from uh, Mel Banana. 
Because right, right. The reason why I bring that up is Yako is the singer of Mel Panetta is my is easily my number one hero in life, and Beth from Portishead. Uh, you know, I, I'm realizing more and more as people in the music industry keep being like me, 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 me. The more you're like, oh, I wish there were more Beths in the world. You know what I mean? Beautiful. Yeah, man, absolutely. Now you're driving in a car. You, nobody's in the car at all. You have a, a moment to yourself. Something comes on, you're bopping to it, and you, it go, passes to your head, man. If anybody saw this, they wouldn't believe it. <laughs> what came on the radio? I know who it is. It, I, I wasn't quite sure of the answer when you first asked it, but when you said the radio, that whole, like, mm. it, you didn't turn the dial. Yeah. That, that's a good way to ask the question. Because with guilty pleasures, you're not necessarily doing it at your house. You know that's I mean? a great point i'm gonna use that in the future thank yeah, you because <laughs> a guilty pleasure makes it sound like you're just kind of like you know like smoking crack when you told every you know like something like but uh i would say man i um i don't know the name of the band uh but i can sing it it's that whole i i usually know it but but that dun 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 oh father of mine uh, where have you been <laughs> turned around you know that song so you know the band i it's like i don't i really don't but um, it's already locking in the yo you walked away it's the, it, the the whole song is really well crafted they're like jumping to the ocean and the song's about like you know his dad just never was part of his life and he writes a song about it but man is it a motherfucker i mean it is like is it current no it's 90s yeah, yeah, no. It's uh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh shit! You know what else? I just thought of the doped up dollies. What is the deal with this? Because I heard some things that are super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, have you not heard the record? No, I not the whole album, oh, but I've heard it, things here and there, like on YouTube type thing. Oh, the record is the record. The best thing about the record is this. I intentionally so the doped up dollies are our backup singers that are friends. One's my wife, and um, and we always wanted to be their backup band. But, right. You know, it was hard to get like of 10 or 11 people together and so i said all right let's just do the record like this everybody come to my cottage in the woods very small place very it's almost a dollhouse and you can't really see by this background but but anyway so we ha we didn't you weren't allowed to have any music ready like any songs cool. ready. you could have yeah. a you could have, you know, you could have a riff, but it was even like, try not to even have a riff, but you could have a riff. But, and so then we would sit, talk about a song for about, you know, 15, 20 minutes, noodle a song for about 15, 20 minutes, and then track a song for about 15, 20 minutes, and all 13 ideas we used. And That's it was, amazing. It was amazing. And you could hear it in the record. It was just very organic. You could hear people playing it like, for the first time. You know what I mean? Every time it's crossed by me, I'm always blown away. I, I love the vibe. And, and doing that old school thing, I mean, it makes me think of those old recording sessions where they had the studio musicians and you, you know, nothing would get moved in the studio ever and was always the same as just like on the spot. There's something about that spontaneity that's incredible. Absolutely. And like the fact that when you were done recording, we just had mattresses up on the walls for sound absorption and then you just put them down and slept on them, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> and and you, so it's funny that you bring it up because the Dolly's record was quite a couple years ago. Um, but not that many, like like two or three or more. <laughs> and uh, we're working on new material now. And what's really cool about the ladies, Saray Richardson, Aaron McKenzie, and Bree McQuain, Bree Finn, her old name, uh, is that they were young ladies then. 
and we made this record and you can hear the trials and tribulations and the hopes and stuff of like them at that age but all the all three of them want to put out a woman record this this year and and the fact that like there is a difference between a young woman and a woman I mean, absolutely I you know what i mean you know what i'm saying like <laughs> yeah, here we are talking like we know it <laughs> right 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 but but i'm just saying what there's yeah but they want to like they're in a different place now yeah you know? absolutely that's gonna they're be not super gonna interesting do that again you know yeah no it, it's fun growing you know there's some great things yeah. that come out of growing it's mm -hmm. fantastic david it's fabulous to see you and i can't wait till we cross paths and we redo that video yeah i would love to do it <laughs> man thanks, thanks a lot for you Pardon me? Thanks for having me. Man, complete pleasure. The road will open up again one day, and I'm sure we'll cross paths. You stay rad, brother. You too. Take care. <laughs> Peace out, <Whoa. Simon. laughs> oh. 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 man. Kim and don't know she is.